This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where week after week we get reporters to talk about their stories, their experiences and of course their thoughts on what made news, what didn't and some things that shouldn't have. Today we have Business Standards star reporter Somesh Chha joining us. Hi Somesh. Hi Lo. Welcome to Reporters. And uh, Somesh recently scooped quite a story as he wrote about the National Sample Survey offices NSSO for short. NSSO's latest job survey. Uh, the survey showed that unemployment numbers for 2017-18 are at a four-decade high. Is that right, Somesh? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. And we also have our head of research, Ayush Tiwari, here. Hi, Cherry. Ayush is super happy today because he won rupees 18 on Google Play. My God, are you also, serious? Also, I think he was a little happy because you weren't referring to him by his beat. I'm sure right all now. your listeners will relish that information. Okay, then I should probably give you credit for filing a story that has kept you sleepless for yeah, a night. Yeah, quite. And that has probably turned into your beat. No. <laughs> I mean, regardless of all your claims, no. I knew this was okay. coming up. So this is the second time in a row that Ayush will be talking about Harvest TV. Uh, also joining us is desk writer Gaurav Sarkar. Hi, Gaurav. Hi, Cherry. What will you be talking about? I'll be talking about the change in the packaging of channels on DTH operators and on cable TV and what this means mainly for viewers and what are the tries new policy guidelines that are out. Okay, that would be interesting to know because... Of course, it'll also be very interesting for television networks, right? Sure, it will. But, you know, there's also a slight development from Bach. So, uh, if that happens, anyway, we'll talk about it once we once we get to the story. Yes, do not give it all away. Dear listeners, before we go into the podcast, just a little news for you. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, CastBox, or any other podcast app, Please do visit www.newslaundry.com to check out our other podcasts, videos, satirical shows, comics, and other very nice reports. But Sumesh, coming directly to you, uh, Niti Aayog chairman has, vice chairman actually, has said that the report that you based your story on is a draft report and uh, it wasn't approved by the government. Mm. So what are your thoughts on that? What's your response to that? I mean, but before you respond to that, could you give our listeners a little context about your story and the explosive follow-ups that you did? Okay, so uh, uh, you know, it it all uh, triggered with the resignation of two members of the National Statistical Commission, which is a bo- uh, body supposed to approve the statistics produced by the NSSO. So two members resigned, and it was really scandalous enough for them to uh, you know put in the papers. And within 24 hours, we produced a news story, you know, giving out the contents of the latest round of uh, NSSO survey on jobs, which for which the resignations had happened because the government was not making it public. So the report showed that the unemployment rate was at a 45-year high of 6.1%, which is quite a lot, I mean, mm-hmm. in that sense. So, uh, and then, of course, uh, it became a political story that day. The opposition took it up and the government was firefighting and we did a, a series of follow-ups on the, our own story. So that happened. And on the, on, uh, the Niti Aayog's press conference, by the way, I mean, 
it was one of the most hilarious press conferences I have seen in in the recent times. And, Why so? And because it's given us so much content for uh, our daily dosage of laughter, right? So uh, first of all, all the claims that the uh, Niti Aayog vice chairman was making in that press conference was all bogus, and he was rightly cornered by all the journalists out there. I would really appreciate everybody uh, for asking the right questions to him, and uh, the the fact that he said that it's a draft report was uh, misleading because uh, the NSC members who had resigned they are on record to say that the report was finalized by then and it was approved for release on in, in the public domain mm. so clearly it was certainly not the uh, draft report uh, as the Niti Aayog vice chairman has pointed out and and then uh, they were also you know talking about how uh, numbers are not fi- finalized they want to do some more uh, you know uh, verification of the data so that's even more scandalous because why would you want to verify a data after it's been a, uh, given the final mm. approval so yeah, that's, that never happens i wanted to ask i mean a body that has been put together that has been formalized to collect data if that the data produced by that body needs approval of the government what does it say about the legitimacy of those numbers and not just this if they are saying that they need to approve numbers produced by such a body then does it not create questions on the numbers that have been released earlier exactly so i mean the national statistical commission was uh, formed in 2006 as an autonomous body right it was uh, the whole purpose of for forming such a commission was that uh, the government's interference is not there in, in data and statistics mm-hmm. which are being produced so imagine the modi government uh, you know giving cabinet approval to their own gdp numbers and which is again a controversial uh, topic that has become now so i mean that never happens and that shouldn't happen so i don't see any government approval which is required on this report certainly so you know somesh i've read uh, i've read all the business standard pieces and uh, all the business standard pieces i've read pieces? three of them oh, really? i've read three of them okay so you are a clear. subscriber right I have friends at Business oh, Standard. Okay, hey, wow. I, imagine I, someone <laughs> who wouldn't buy a news-only subscription telling you that. Look yeah. at Ayush imagine. saying that he was just scribbing pitch? about not being able to access Business Standard's report <laughs> yeah. because he doesn't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't short-circuit my way to an article by getting my friends <laughs> to give me access. If someone got access to a Let's Talk About by breaking news-only subscription like that, but me and my roommates share like a NYT subscription and all as well. So it's NYT it's is pretty fair. It's more expensive. No, but we also give you WSJ subscription along with the BA subscription. So great plug. This is a great plug, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but Somesh, would you prefer a listener slash subscriber actually reading your story or not reading your story because they don't get the subscription or they can't afford the subscription? Uh, no, actually, uh, then it all goes down to the business model of journalism. And mm-hmm. I think uh, organically, the best way to... for sustaining uh, in today's journalism is mopping funds on their own like on on our own and not depending on ads uh, from the corporate But world and from the government that doesn't answer my question so yeah so subscribers need to pay us because we need to be independent as sure. is the motive of uh, news laundry and that's what we want to be sure thank you <laughs> so subscribers please do subscribe to news laundry if you want to keep news independent and free and yeah. subscribe to business standard yeah please <laughs> uh, so much so i what i wanted to know is It's actually two things. The first is, do you have a uh, do you have a mathematical statistical background yourself? Do you understand? Uh, higher level? Have you have you studied it? Are you? So yeah, I mean, I would. Uh, no, I don't have a statistical background. First of all, and uh, when I joined Business Standard, uh, honestly, I was really not good at maths. Okay. I mean, and 
and this is one big reason many i mean i am i'm i'm assuming many people think that journalism is their calling because they are not good at maths or they are not good at mm-hmm. academics or i don't know i mean that's how i felt but but when i joined business standard i was asked by my editor that you know i have to cover data statistics and i just you know i mean mm-hmm. Uh, I was really it was a really funny moment for me because all that I was running away from just came back to me. So uh, I started covering data stats for BS for one year and then that that's how I started loving numbers. Okay. And you know so my second question was in like a daily newspaper there's a certain method in which how you go about your day, right? You first mm-hmm. pitch your idea at the first yeah. edit meeting it yeah. gets approved etc. Can you run us through that day before like your hit go on the story what what exactly went down in the newsroom that day cuz were you aware that you were sitting on such a big scoop before it blew up Yeah so uh, uh in the first week of December actually we had got some hint that this report uh, of the NSO has been given the final approval uh but on the same day uh, Ojit Patel has had resigned mm-hmm. so that was one of the biggest stories in the financial world of India so uh, i mean yeah so that happened so we kept chasing the story for almost 2 months and the latest trigger being the nsc members resignation as we have talked sure. about already after that uh, the next day when we got uh, the extracts of this report uh, the i immediately texted my editor that you know this I'm, was I'm, this I'm, was this was one day before you all went to print uh, yeah this okay. this was on 30th january okay. uh, so i texted my editor saying you know i'm coming to office with one of the biggest stories under this government okay. and that's how uh, you know uh, i texted her and then when i came to office i was really guarded about the story because mm-hmm. i really didn't want the story to go out in any way mm-hmm. so i was being a bit paranoid as well that you know even in my newsrooms which never happens mm-hmm. i mean if there is a slightest of the scope that it goes out it would lead to i mean a disaster because i've been chasing this story for two months mm-hmm. so what so, so what did your editor say at that time when yeah, you spoke to him in person so at that time uh, when i went to my editor in chief he was really i mean delighted uh, the by the fact that the next i mean after uh, the resignation of nsc members we have the numbers with us so his immediate response was you know file this story as soon as you can because it's going on front page so he had obviously mm-hmm. had this uh, he understood the gravity of the story and and then you know i was very nervous filing the story because i didn't want to did you sleep before the story got published yeah <laughs> so i couldn't sleep till f- i till 4am and i had to wake up at 7am to tweet out the story and yeah so i was really nervous and i couldn't sleep uh, for 3 days one night before the story was published the day the story was published and the next day so yeah, was it because I, of the number of twitter notifications yeah it's like 5300 yeah, retweets that right now was, <laughs> that was yeah i mean uh, the number of followers i had before the story was around about 3000 and now it's clearly more than 7000 so double the followers that i had got since 2010 so one story and that's yeah yeah that's kind of but has there been any backlash from the government apart from the press conference i mean this this story the numbers they do put the government in the dock because they have been harping about how they've been mm. improving the job situation uh, even during the uh, state assembly elections people were talking about how unemployment is like their biggest concern but the government has been harping about how they've been improving the situation and this the story the unemployment numbers puts them in a dock so have you faced any sort of backlash from the government uh, not really i mean uh, no black backlash as, as yet i mean but what i would like to point out right now is that you know i think the government has scored a self goal uh, why i would say Uh, that is 
you know the unemployment numbers were not available the legit unemployment numbers were not available to us since 2013 and mm-hmm. that was for the survey of 2011 12 mm-hmm. so uh, after that this is the first uh, uh, you know uh, comprehensive survey on jobs that we have so the government has uh, why i say it's a self goal by the government because by hiding the numbers they are kind of admitting the fact that their policy could have led to a rise in unemployment even otherwise i would like to say that maybe the unemployment problem was there even before this government assumed power or when it was in the transition so but this was a government that ran on job creation in 2014 exactly this was yeah, one, yeah. that was one of their main points in exactly, 2014 exactly that was one of the main promises but it's say. also worthy of noting that the ask the they put the niti ayog front to try to debunk the claims made by your story because whenever they have to put up a political response to such allegations or the findings they usually put if it Ravi comes Shankar to Prashad? yeah if, so <laughs> if you have to ridicule people you put sambit patra <laughs> if there is high rhetoric you put this fellow Nirmala you just named Sitaraman? exactly and when it's they have to seem a little sophisticated it's arun jaitley but they knew that they can't they cannot seriously put up political front to the that kind of you know statistical data that your story repeat and therefore they tried to get the experts on but niti ayog again i mean do you remember at the media rumble uh, vivek calls presentation where he showed how mr kant who is the president ceo who's the ceo of, of the niti, niti, niti ayog actually you know cherry picked data no no pun intended cherry <laughs> cherry picked data and misrepresented mis- many statistics so people actually or anyone who's been following niti ayog knows the kind of record they have they're just a planning commission given a modi kurta but it wasn't convincing it is what i have to say was there uh, you know somesh was there any kind of official communication between you and rajiv kumar you know that happened on the side while all this was going on maybe after the first story broke no actually not i mean i haven't been in touch with him for this story particularly yeah because he's been pretty vocal even in the press conference even yeah, on twitter i think he dug his own grave in some sense because he's been involved with this whole data mess or mm-hmm. i would say right now since he has assumed power mm-hmm. uh, he's he's taken charge of the niti mm-hmm. ayog in august last year so so first controversy was related to the gdp back series numbers where you said you know uh, they just revised the figures of the previous government uh, tenure and now you know the government of of course you know put him under the bus so i think yeah so he dug his own grave taking ayush's question forward who would have been the appropriate authority to respond to the numbers because niti ayog exactly so for this i think the appropriate body is n- uh, nobody else than the ministry of statistics and program implementation so that's the uh, authority who should give us all the right answers you know and so that you- i think i think i think the government did it really carefully i mean they didn't want statistician to answer the questions of the media so because so they put he, a guy from the government exactly exactly so that you, they, they can easily deviate from the whole this thing so when you were filing the story did you reach out to them for a comment about no, the numbers I, i didn't reach out to them for the comments because i had the numbers in my hand so there's no other uh, detail i had required and the fact that uh, the government is not releasing the numbers i think they mm-hmm. should have answered it in the next press conference which happened but they didn't so you know we had a similar conversation the last time we were recording rwo when we were talking about cobra post reaching out in the morning for comment mm-hmm. so you know i just wanted to know where did where do you all stand ethically on this 
I think here the story is in Somesh's case the story is document dependent so when you have a document I think he's right when he says mm-hmm. that he didn't really require a comment but in Cobra Post case I think it was just a chance just like an opportunity to the accused of financial scams so here he's not accusing the government of a scam he's saying this is what the numbers say and these are the government numbers in fact here i think the bigger story is that you're not letting out the numbers itself so you know yeah, why would so, why would i reach out for comment when i have the numbers exactly and uh, exactly i didn't want to reach out to them for the uh, for the numbers uh, comment for the numbers because i didn't want to alert them first of all and second uh, we reached out to the government the day nsc members resigned and we press this question to them that why are you, aren't you releasing the report so that question we had already put forward to the government and they had already responded to that so that's what we had all, always wanted are you sure you want that, to weigh in on this one i think it's something that you can do with and you can do without because as cherry said that there is a data that this very credible and rather reputed institution has produced mm-hmm. and if you have access to it then i mean that that makes the case for itself mm-hmm. you know those numbers those those figures don't lie so getting a comment not getting a comment wouldn't make a difference because you have the data which no, I mean, makes it so case no i mean then you can make case. the same case for dhfl which is that you have the numbers you have the documents in your hand the difference is that is a private company was, yeah, that was, you are accusing just that. Yeah. of a scam here it's the government yeah. and it's the government's numbers so me should and do you yeah, want to come i think uh, and you uh, in the dfhl case you're drawing a conclusion that it's a fraud so when you draw such a conclusion then you have to reach out the person yes. and get seek the comment here we are not drawing any conclusion that it's a fraud or because a scam because you have the numbers yeah we are just reporting on the numbers uh, on based on the reports which we have got from authenticated sources you so know, since we're talking about the numbers yeah. there was another thing that i wanted to ask you was so i think after the first story you all did another follow up where you where y'all used a method called current, current weekly, weekly Yeah. yeah which is a different method of calculation yeah, yeah. which shows that the, uh, the Gaurav, un- could you just elaborate either the two of you could you just explain this method because okay, okay. i think so we should be the right yeah, person yeah. so current weekly status uh, actually there are two ways of measuring employment and unemployment uh, under the um, by the nsso mm-hmm. so how they do is is that uh, they they follow the usual status approach and a current weekly status approach so in the usual status approach the surveyor goes to every household and they ask them that what were you doing in the last 365 days so this is for, basically for the over a span year. of a year Yeah, this is in the span of a, a span of a full year because in India the, the seasonality of jobs can, cannot be ignored. Like sure. a person can be employed for three months and cannot be employed for the rest of the nine months. Current weekly status approach under that the survey goes to households and they a uh, same survey and and the survey asks the household uh, of members. what were you doing in the last week were you employed or not so in the current weekly status if i'm not wrong the story said that the unemployment rate went up by 3 points if i'm not wrong so it goes up to about 8.1% if you use the current weekly status so does this mean that whether you look at it from a long term point of view or a short term point of view the the job the 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 drop in the number of jobs is still undeniable right basically exactly. no matter which method of evaluation you exactly, use exactly exactly so d- did this sort of you know did this blow up as much as the first story did cuz because yeah. i'm guessing that uh, there was a, there was a certain part when the niti ayog vice chairman spoke mm-hmm. where he said that these that the method used for evaluation is not correct yeah yeah yeah, yeah so sure. if you're going to use an alternate method as well which shows that 
it's now that if it shows that the number is going to rise and not even go down hmm. doesn't that also count as a self goal you know as as, as what you were exactly. saying exactly i mean the second story mainly uh, told us what the impact of the government's decision on of demonetization and gst was on employment so that is more telling about the government's uh, failure in terms of providing jobs hmm. uh, uh, when you look at the two policies that it implemented under their tenure and actually we did a three part series and the third story in that series actually is even more telling i mean it says that you know uh, more than half of our working age population is either not working or not seeking any job so, or has just lost a job yeah or or no that counts as unemployment but here people are either not looking for out for job or are not working anywhere so are not willing to work anywhere okay. so so the fact that india has such a, uh, a huge amount of youth or uh, young population as mm-hmm. we can say and india is not able to utilize that it's a big big loss for us i don't know if you guys remember this but this is not the first time such a thing is happening i think in when modi was the had just become the prime minister unicef had produced a report saying showing how the economic policies followed by the gujarat government during his tenure very I mean remarkably anti poor stats like you know 40% of the population was defecating in the open there was huge amounts of stunting in in among children and it had, and unicef being unicef you know was polite sent the report it had produced to modi government for clearance and of course you don't expect modi to report that and modi never withheld the publication i think don't they don't uh, approve the report an economist magazine scooped it in 2015 and it finally came out so there are some sort of precedent to the way i think any government would react to you know out of the ba- most basic political instinct of dishonesty but on another point i think you should put your mind to another data that should be i think revealed big time there's a caste census that the modi that the manmohan singh government had uh, carried out i think it was called the socio economic and caste census secc which will have even greater implications because this is most more or less political and economic but any caste census i think the last one was 1931 is what we use right so after 1931 that's the second census we can use to you know build our policies yeah, I mean, and economic not just the caste census even the ncrb data is not being released so when it comes to actual hard numbers with which journalists or just let's say people can hold the government to account it's not being released and somesh's story just shows one bit of that but aish coming to you what did you think the media underreported what did you think the media overreported over the last week i think there was a rather comical story that uh, only two publications carried one hindustan times and the other i don't know if it's even a publication called my nation and the story was um, wink wink the story was that uh, the kerala government which had i think on 18th of january barely a month ago two weeks ago had submitted a report saying that 51 women had entered sabrimala temple since the supreme court order yesterday in speaking in the kerala parliament i think they said they have proof that only two entered so there are no 49 women but what the if you look deeper it shows is rather comical process of finding out which women entered mm. so it turns out they fudged some numbers when it came to the age of so the women that entered which is fine it's age you can miss that but the <laughs> most, most funny bit was that there was some men which had 
names <laughs> that sounded very you know female so like so who fudged the numbers the f- they didn't fudge the numbers let let me take that back misinterpreted they probably just blundered so if, if a woman is 55 year old she admitted she is not 55 she's 48 so that is rather careless and you know erroneous no i meant the government uh, had said that there were 51 people who had entered right, right and who's this group that has produced this list the gr- there's no group the minister of the kerala government speaking in the parliament yesterday i think in the state parliament said that there the proof of only two women entering the rest of them some of them are men with female names so you know it's like oh let's see who all made it to sabrimala and you see kiran and that kiran is you know kiran nagarkar and you say ha kiran bedi hogi <laughs> that must be a woman so they they did silly things like that and i thought there was other comical and should have deserved more coverage but this hindustan times was the only one that covered it yaar wonder why it's a little surprising but yeah i just find it odd no comments yeah, i find it odd too to be very honest Okay I don't know as much about it so I'm just going to reserve my comments on the issue but uh, Gaurav coming to you you were following the changes in trace policy could you tell us about what these changes are how they are going to impact people and what does this really mean for the network owners sure so we we put up the piece yesterday so you guys can read the entire piece on newslaundry.com uh, it talks about the change in policy guidelines uh, that try had implemented and which kicks in from february 1st uh for everyone who consumes a lot of television content try says that we're trying to make tv content consumption more affordable so what so just in like layman's language now instead of buying entire package deals which you can also do as of now but what try has done is now that you can opt to pay for singular channels instead of buying a 30 channel sports pack you can actually just opt to buy espn and 10 sports because that is where you watch most of your football or your cricket on so to just to give the listeners a certain backdrop to the piece that i wrote yesterday um for about 130 rupees a month across dish tvs and cable operators for about 130 rupees a month which is your base price you will be able to avail 100 fta channels 100 free to air channels out of a pool of 534 fta channels so there's a total of 534 fta channels or usme se you will get about you will get exactly 100 but this doesn't mean that you can't swap and swap so if within the first 100 i'm getting say channel x right i can take the channel x put it back into the 534 pool and take channel y from there but there is also another separate category called paid channels these channels go anywhere from between rupees 1 to rupees 60 per month it's important to note that all this happens on a per month basis whereas a lot of people previously used to only subscribe to the annual packages especially if you know you have a big family you'll have multiple TVs uh, you'll subscribe to the mega package or a family package which includes everything so with this 100 rupees now uh, you will be able to get a base of 100 channels and say you want to avail 125 channels or 150 channels so for every 25 channels on top you will have to pay 20 rupees a month think of this as like buying a buying a slot of air space you know which you buy you pay 20 rupees for and then you can fit it in with 25 channels of your like or dislike but wouldn't this create wouldn't ever fit anything of my dislike though okay <laughs> wouldn't this create a disparity in viewership between the free to air channels and the paid channels it would create a disparity which is why you know it was speculated back in december that a lot of the channels had come together and said that we don't want to adhere to a bark ratings let's black out bark there was economic times piece that was written back in december forcing this because the deadline for implementing this try guideline 
was January 1st. Then it got pushed to January 31st. The disparity you're talking about will come into play if you're comparing one free-to-air channel with a paid channel because those are the two broader categories. But if you compare FTA to FTA, it'll pretty much remain the same. If channels opt to be in the paid category or if DTH operators are putting them into a paid category, it's happening for everyone. So you'll have to compare two players in the same category to probably arrive at that conclusion. No, I'm asking this in terms of viewership numbers, right? Viewership numbers are not based on which paid or unpaid category they are in. For example, from my understanding, Republic is free to wear. Yeah, it is. And NDTV, CNN, India Today, they are not free to wear. Mm -hmm. So these which rank in the top five or mm. let's say top 10 of English TV news, there there will be a steep disparity in viewership numbers. Correct. So what, what you're saying is that the smaller channels can't piggyback on the bigger channels like how it used to happen earlier. Just because because I used to get Republic earlier, right, on my TV. I used to also get Times Now, CNN, News 18, etc. But now since Try is thinking from a consumer viewer point of view, they want to make the entire thing more affordable. So the, the main, the at the crux of it, we're talking about users shell viewers trying to shell out money Hmm. which is why this bark blackout that was foreseen back in december is justified because operators are not really happy that you can now pay for only two channels but earlier used to pay for an entire package so first what do you mean by smaller channels piggybacking on the bigger channels i mean if nobody watches abp bangla news at my house i still get that channel on my this and i'm charged for the entire package so because I buy an entire package, I am exposed to the smaller channels as well, which will not happen now, which explains why smaller channels are unhappier with this decision, which explains why DTH operators are not really happy because, you know, it's it's lesser money. I, and, and if I'm not wrong, um, one of them is currently embroiled in a suit in court with, uh, with Try as of now as we speak. Uh, another important part of the story was that uh, in, in spite of this change in mechanism, there has been a lot of pushback from viewers themselves who have been calling Dish TV, who've been calling Den and saying that, hey, I don't know how to figure this out because I have a family and, you know, we have been subscribing to the same plan. What happens to my annual plan that started that started last year? You know, do I have to change that? Are you going to refund me money? There are also big gaping holes like what happens to me if I have multiple television sets and multiple connections at home? What happens in that particular case scenario? So all this is left grey as of now because people are still trying to figure out the system and how it actually works on I their mean, TV. implementation, the rollout has to be faced. The implementation problems definitely would exist. But I want to go back to the policy question. I mean, a policy, any policy for that matter, is designed taking all stakeholders into account. Mm-hmm. So it cannot just be on the viewers, right? If the television networks are not happy, if let's say the cable operators are not happy because it is eating into their profits and the rating system would be affected. I mean, how well thought is this policy or how well thought is this quote-unquote rule? You know, in fact, it's pretty weird that uh, the mainstream media didn't pick this up at the end of last year itself because it's been blowing up since November end. And the deadline itself has been increased twice. Bark is unha- Bark was supposed to be unhappy about it because they're going to be blacked out from the ratings. Private players, channels are unhappy with it. Cable operators are unhappy with it. But at the end of it, if you have the goodwill and sentiment of your viewers from an agency point of view, I guess like you're still taking home some brownie points. But from what I understand, viewers are not happy either. I mean, regardless of all the big words and snobbish arguments you guys go back and forth on I think it's rather tragic that all this comes out at a time when people have like stopped watching television to begin with 
Well, I don't think people have you stopped. You are part to. of news laundry. You are on the harvest beat. You cannot <laughs> be talking about people have stopped what watching con- television. What kind of news. a slur is this, yeah? Saying Guys, that I'm on a harvest beat. Ayush's beat is harvest TV from now. <laughs> Even you, Amit, I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, Ayush, I don't think that everyone doesn't watch TV anymore. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely. I'm sure. Like, I mean, only it's us, the upper middle class, where you know access to internet on a very fast scale allows for you know minimizing our television consumption. But I'm sure, in suburban towns or in non-metropolitan cities, the television television consumption is still high. The television and radio's reach is massive, but I want to bring Somesh back into the discussion. We were just talking about media's coverage of trace policy. How did you think the big media picked your story? I think uh, uh, it actually uh, the follow-up was really good. I, I feel. I mean, uh, all the newspapers had it as a front page lead, and uh, all news channels except the Republic TV, as expected, didn't no run it. Even there. Times now had a show on it. So, so I would say. Uh, but but I would one f- feedback that I got on Twitter was that. Uh, Hindi newspapers did not quite pick it up, so that was one uh, feedback, Why and I was really sad about it. But the regional papers, like uh, some Bengali newspapers, I know that they picked it up really well. They wrote editorials on it, so yeah, it was some mis- mixed response in that sense. Why do you think Hindi newspapers didn't catch the story? I really, it's really baff- baffling to me because uh, any talk, any story on unemployment or jobs is a uh, hot topic and discussed in uh, in uh, drawing rooms uh, when it comes up right so even my how i mean i would really admit that my parents they really don't read the trash that i keep uh, uh, writing all day long but this story same really your, caught their attention sentiment really, is mutual exactly so it really caught their attention and they were re- really astonished by the numbers themselves so uh, talking about media coverage you also made it to harvest tv how was that experience yeah it was a really f- a fun experience uh, that day i didn't know that they are going live and that was the first day they, they were supposed to uh, but i got a call from them and they wanted me on the show uh, I couldn't go to the studio, but uh, yeah, the camera came into my office. So, it so was print a- journalist on TV. Yeah, it was <laughs> quite an experience. It was the first time that I was on TV channels. I'm mean, like multiple channels on the same day. Hey mom, I'm so, on TV. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I quickly messaged all my folks, you know, that, you know, look out for me and all that. Because my parents were like, you know, TV me kyun jata yaar? TV me dekhna chahiye. Kahan dekhta hai? Sab parents ko yehi janna hai. Exactly. TV news kyun nahi kar So that probably answers Ayusha's question about the reach, about people watching or not watching television news. Okay. You're still stuck up on that, no? <laughs> but I think uh, that the fact about uh, Hindi media not covering it, I think the kind of, uh, even because we follow Hindi media quite closely, and I've noticed that you can't make predictions about what Hindi media will or will not cover. You can say about Republic, of course, what they wouldn't cover, right? You can make predictions. But Hindi media is rather surprising. I remember when Anand wrote a piece on how the Hindi media had covered the 377 judgment. Their coverage was rather progressive and to be honest, called me elitist, but I didn't expect that. And I was rather surprised because of that. Then they don't pick up this story you're talking about. I, I think when the Sonu Nigam controversy happened, when he claimed that the Azan in his neighborhood was too loud at 4am, mm-hmm. he was invited by all media houses, Hindi media didn't bother to pick it up. So I've noticed it, there's some sort of 
inconsistency and gap of knowledge that needs to be filled about why hindi media covers what it covers and why it doesn't cover what it doesn't cover i But don't think if i can call it gap of knowledge it could be just different news priorities so ayush speaking of harvest tv tell us more about your beat <laughs> so uh, highly amusing cherry so um, i mean in all seriousness my story which has not been published yet will be published by the time this podcast is out i wanted to focus not much on the whole barkha karan thapar and kapil sibal wala harvest that has you know seeped into the popular imagination now but what about the harvest that existed before this the harvest tv before these people famous faces came into the picture with the famous uh, faces are on htn they are not even on harvest yes and there's a reason for that but if you see the tele- youtube or on the tv the harvest logo is still there which is the authentic logo so before this harvest came into the picture Harvest TV was a Kerala-based Christian news, hmm. you know, channel, and I wanted to know how they fared. What is the background history of this channel? And fortunately, the founder of the Harvest TV, which is the previous one, and when I say Harvest TV, and throughout this explanation, I mean that one, uh, was in Delhi on Sunday because he's here to seek legal opinion regarding all the fuss that he's been in, and I met him, and it turns out that. Uh, So last week we said that they had the license, Vicon's license, under which they operated. They got out and Sibyl jumped in. That is, even though broadly correct, it's rather an oversimplification. The backstory of this is that these guys gave an NOC to Vicon, saying no, no objection, objection certificate, certificate to Vicon, which owns the license, saying that uh, we don't mind if you use Harvest TV name, we don't mind if you use Harvest TV logo. and they gave this in 2016 saying this is valid for 2 years now most probably that means it expired in 2018 18. in january of 2018 it it, it expired and uh, so this was only for 2 years but soon after they got this noc that is vicon they filed a permission in the ministry of information and broadcasting saying here's the noc we want to run a channel and we want to change our previous channel which was some hindu devotion channel to harvest tv and this is the logo they showed the noc saying this channel doesn't mind now the ministry gave them the approval now the only problem is the noc says 2 years but the ministry's approval does not have a timeline so if you were to interpret it broadly you we have technically still use technically it. you can have it forever because it doesn't state till when you have to use it now that is the source of all the problems here but then the company in question which had a two year understanding can sue them it can sue them but as i said i met the guy over the weekend and he is not the richest guy in the world i mean as opposed to vicon media based in delhi as opposed to barkha karan kapil sibal based in delhi powerful people these guys are from trivandrum and they run run a christian platform most of their revenue comes from the pentecostal Christian church in Kerala to which they sell their prime prime slots and now they've given this logo they've the Vicon has gotten a permit from the information broadcasting and they're using Harvest TV and these guys can't do that because they've built up a company for a decade now they've built up a reputation and a goodwill and suddenly you see Barkhadat on the TV using their same logo you know without any acknowledgement and even the stories that the candid and the story done by print mentions the kerala based harvest tv its mm. former avatar just in passing so these guys actually are not given a lot of acknowledgement even in the press so my story tries to bring that out of what is the story of this guy what is his problems 
to be very honest he's been very naive he's the easiest guy to con in the world even though vicon hasn't is that what you did to him ayush no that's what vicon could have done to him even though they did it to only a small extent just joking i mean they <laughs> made sure that you know some of their foolish decisions turned out to be foolish towards the end and now it's i think a lost game he can't fight the case i do want to ask you what does he have no objection to what is happening at hdn objection in sense what them using harvest's logo of course he has an objection but he, the ministry has given them an approval and to be fair vicon also wants to get off the harvest logo they have applied for a logo and a name of tiranga oh. tv in september 2017 oh. the ministry of information and broadcasting has been sitting on it for what 18 months now but uh, wouldn't the ministry require this person's approval harvest ceo's approval before they give a no objection certificate no but wait so the harvest guy has given a no objection certificate they saw that but they didn't put a timeline to it that's the problem now only thing that can clarify is when this guy goes to court but he says he doesn't have the money to do that given delhi the mm. you know legal scene sure. in delhi so he's a poor some deep inside into harvest tv actually so if you want to check that story out visit newslaundry.com and you can also find our other amazing podcast like awful and awesome and hafta which is behind the paywall and ayush has no gripe with it not on the record at least so that's a wrap for today so guys do you have your recommendations ready ayush yeah um one podcaster to another i think uh, amit verma's seen in the unseen he did two episodes with ramchandra guha on gandhi one gandhi before india and one gandhi once he comes back to india i think especially the second part they were excellent and everyone who's listens to this podcast should listen to that one too second being non political nothing related to news but this very cool series korean thriller series on netflix called kingdom which is about zombies and if there's one group of people who can make better zombie movies than anyone else it's the koreans cherry is not impressed by that recommendation cherry is not I impressed by most of the things god i'm just not impressed by you so mesh what's your recommendation my recommendation this week would be go and watch out bandersnatch black mirror bandersnatch it has multiple possibilities so it will keep you engaged and and it will spook you by the time you get multiple and the most spooked out end and you all can tweet end. to somesh saying whichever ending you all got and discuss you know which yeah. ending did I'm he sure get i'm <laughs> sure i the ending i got nobody else has got I, as of now i've, I've discussed it with many that's friends that's also a scoop yeah that's also <laughs> a scoop <laughs> Gaurav, what about you? Uh, so I would like to recommend this piece on the Wire, written by Indira Jaising. Its title: CBI's attempted arrest of Kolkata Police Commissioner was an attack on federalism. Calcutta has been in the spotlight, you know, ever since Sunday evening, and uh, it's actually been nothing short of a film in general. With unprecedented to put in TV news's words. Very unprecedented, and I remember that this, this Sunday was actually going slow in terms of the news cycle, and then this just popped in in the evening. but this article is important because it talks about you know how if if there is a crime that happens in two states it's a, if it's an interstate crime the second state does need the permission of the first state to take over the case indira jaising also brings to light some very important things like uh, india does have a federal investigating agency but we don't have any crimes that fall under a category called federal crimes so why have a federal investigating agency in the first place i happen to have a friend who lives just opposite uh, to the police commissioner who cbi tried to arrest and he was sending me pictures from his house and i thought it was 
seemed like a battle scene to be honest CRPF against state police <laughs> my recommendation is a book called my frozen turbulence in kashmir it's by jagmohan i have just started reading it to understand what was the governor's role when the sort of in the aftermath of the kashmiri pandits exodus thank you to everyone who listens and writes to us if you have some feedback for us love criticism or concerns you can tweet to any of us or write to us at contact@newslaundry.com or to me at ayush at newslaundry.com also a big thank you to everyone who is paying to keep news azad and independent and to others please 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 do subscribe because when the public pays the public is served and when corporations pay governments pay and advertisers pay they are served to subscribe to news laundry you can visit our website newslaundry.com do subscribe to us or to any other independent news organization especially business standard that's right of your choice and happy subscribing Also a big thanks to the man behind the scenes Parikshit this script has obviously been written by Cherry thank you Anil ji also for recording the panel and for your time see you guys all the news laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher iTunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent to catch all our podcasts on news pop culture current affairs and sport visit newslaundry.com follow us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our youtube channel